0: Good morning. Merry Christmas, First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here today. There has been a request that I join the praise team in singing, uh, how, and I appreciate my wife suggesting that. However, uh, I'm, that's supposed to be funny. Uh, didn't work. We're going to start. Merry Christmas, and so glad you're here. If you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, thank you so much. We hope you can come join us here tonight, 5 o'clock. We will have a candlelight service.
1: Here we we're just cheer, fun, baby, we're
2: gonna the air Oh, her crown, raising the sun,
1: oh, her big, oh, dear, don't scare
2: me There ain't to sing, songs of a cheer birthday, Christmas is here Ding, ding, ding oh, d-
1: dong, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding,
2: dong,
1: ding, ding, dong to hear words of a cheer
2: from everywhere, fill in the air, oh, they
1: pound, raise in the town, they
2: pay their tones, get in the ring while people sing songs of a cheer, Christmas is here, ding, 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 ding,
1: ding, ding, on all the same, on with that end their truffle tones to everyone.
2: Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our little special. Please stand with us and let's praise the Lord together.
0: You appreciate that because you know, some you ever been to a church, it seems like a mausoleum service. You know, and if you walk in, you're a visitor, people kind of go and they whisper something in someone else's ear. You are welcome here. This is the joy of the Lord. We get to celebrate together, fully understanding some of you are going through some difficult times. Bobby's dad, for the first Christmas ever, is with the Lord in heaven, and so we need to be praying for the entire family. And others of you are going through difficulties, going through problems. Along with the celebration and the holiday time, uh, there are some old wounds that get kind of stirred up a little bit in their family drama and problems, and and so everything's not Um, you know, bows and Christmas bells and all of that for all of us. But you know what? God is still God, and everything's going to be all right one of these days. It's going to be more than all right one of these days. Rick, you're going to make a book report on that book I gave you. Yeah? Uh, He's really excited about it. They may be building something there in heaven one of these days. And so I'll tell you what, we've got reason to rejoice in the midst of sorrow. So let's go to the Lord right now and thank him for the blessings that he is to us. Our fathers, we bow in your presence. We know there are people here this morning who carry heavy, heavy burdens. Loss of loved ones is way up there, whether it be lost through death, lost through family separation and divorce, lost through disease, and, and uh, whatever it might be. Father, you you're the one who's the comforter. You're the one who's the great physician. You're the one who's the savior. You're the one who can meet our every need, and so I pray that you would be with those who came in here, maybe a little bit sad today, that, Father, there would be something said or done that would lift their spirits somewhat, and they would uh, trust you no matter what, realizing that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't set up a house there, a temple there. We keep walking through it, and we get to the other side, and we'll be with you one of these days. So, Father, we pray your richest blessings upon everyone here. May we honor and glorify your name May we thank you for what Christmas really means in the birth of our Savior, the incarnation of the Son of God who came to live a perfect life, to die a vicarious death on a cross and then to be resurrected again and to live, make it possible for us to live forever in a place called heaven. So bless us today. Give us reason for joy, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. You may be, go ahead and and be seated. A couple of things I want to mention to you. You have, if you're in the active military, you have a spread set up on the patio. It is beautiful. It's decorated. It's good food. And you're invited, anybody in the military invited to go ahead and partake of that. Tonight, 5 p.m., our our service, our candlelight service, generally, we are packed out. I know we got some folks out of town. we got some empty seats here because of that. Uh, but generally, we get packed out on Christmas Eve. So be here early, and uh, we'll have a great time together at 5 p.m. tonight. T- tomorrow's Christmas. It's the Lord's birthday. Someone said, what are you doing tomorrow? As little as possible. <laughs> Going to recover from everything else we did, right? Uh, Tuesday, no Navigators this week. <laughs> Wednesday, no BSF this week. Uh, next Sunday, 10 a.m., a Christian worldview of debt. A Christian's worldview of debt. If we base our belief system about debt on the word of God, we're going to have a very different idea about that than the world has. So want to come, I want to share that with you starting next Sunday morning. In fact, the whole month we'll be talking about Christian worldview in light of debt and giving and money and all of that. So I uh, hope you'll be here for those Sundays. End of the year giving must be postmarked by December 31st. And then ladies Bible study begins January the 5th from 10 o'clock till noon, we have to get a minimum of at least a couple of kids to have the nursery. So, so far we have one. So, if you're planning on coming to the Ladies Bible Study and need child care, please let us know ASAP, like today. Let Julie know. That would be very, very helpful. We have to provide two babysitters by law, even if there's one baby in the nursery. And they have to be credentialed, they have to be background checked, fingerprinted, and uh, I don't know what all we have to do. Uh, spray them down with Lysol before they, <laughs> what, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so, so if you, we don't want to discourage anybody from being here, but let Julie know, otherwise it'll be difficult to be able to provide Uh, child care. This is a connection card. It's our way of getting to know you. If you're a first-time guest here today, we're so thankful that you've chosen to be with First Baptist Church. We'd ask you to take one of these out and fill it out, and then either turn it in to us or put it in the tithe and offering box, which is to the left of the double doors, uh, out in the back. And we're so grateful to have you here. We're going to continue to worship our Lord together, so let's stand once again. A name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Thank you so much, Praise Team. Thanks for leading us in worship. You may be seated. I'm asking all the boys and girls to come to the front if they would. And I've got a little story I want to tell you. That's Debbie's, I think. Um, before you go to class. so And while they're doing that, I want to encourage everybody to pick up a calendar. They're on the back where the registration table is where you get your name tags if you'd like a calendar. There's some uh, very pretty pictures, and, uh, and it advertises the church and verses and everything else, so be sure to grab one of those. We're glad to have all of you here today, and we hope you have a blessed and a merry and a wonderful Christmas and work our way to a great new year. Boys and girls, we're so glad to have you all here. How many of you like candy canes? Let me see your hand. Now, I didn't say all you. I said... How many of you kids like candy canes? Okay, my mom used to always give me, every year she'd give me a candy cane and she it wasn't just a little wimpy, little bitty candy cane. She'd get me one of these like pound and a half jobs, you know, about that big around and about that long and uh, I'd have that. Peppermint candy would last till about April every year. It was just incredible. Uh, There's a legend about the candy cane. I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, it goes back to 1670, the year 1670, which is uh, way before... Chuck Cedar was born. He's not here today. He's up north. I can pick on him. Um, but it was a long, long time ago, and a choir master, someone who was leading the choir and had kids' choir at the Cologne Cathedral in Germany handed out sugar candy sticks um, to his young singers to keep them quiet during the living nativity when they, made, they had the baby Jesus there and Mary and Joseph and all of that. In honor of that, he bent the candies in the shape of, like that, that, that kind, like a candy cane, bent them like that. And so what that stood for, he says, you look at the candy cane, what do you see? Stripes that are red like the blood shed for me. White is for my Savior, who's sinless and pure. And the J, if you turn it upside down, the J is for Jesus, my Lord, that's for sure. Turn it around, and a staff you will see. Jesus, my shepherd, was born for me. So here's what I want. Listen to this one thing and then I'm gonna let you go to class. One more thing. That is this. Every time you see a candy cane, I want you to think about Jesus. He loves you, and that's the birth of that's the person we celebrate his birth for and Christmas time is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Miss Pat's gonna give you all one of these, but first we're gonna pray, Father, would you go with these children to their class? Would you go with the teachers and the workers and God inspire them to pour everything they have into the lives of these young kids? Father, that they would, if they haven't already, they would soon receive Christ as their personal Savior. God, we pray that you would bless them and their families. Bless our church, we pray. And thank you for what Christ means to us all in his name. And all the kids said, amen. Pick up from Miss Pat, go ahead and get a, one of the cards, and we hope that you'll remember that lesson about the candy cane. Everybody else? You have your Bibles? Turn to Matthew 2. How many have your Bibles? Let me see your hand. You got a Bible? You got an iPad? You got an iPhone? You got an something else? So yeah, okay, open it up. to Matthew chapter 2, verses, uh, we're going to read several verses from this, but I want to ask you a question. Do you remember your birth? Now that sounds like a silly question, but I heard one time uh, some lady claimed that she remembered being born. I think she remembered lots of other things too. But uh, but we don't. Normal people don't remember when they were born. Do you remember the birth of your children, guys? Do you remember the birth of your children? It was a traumatic thing. You had to walk around in this room, smoke-filled room, with other dads puffing on cigarettes, and, and everybody was nervous. It was a tra- it's terrible. Ladies, you don't realize how tough childbirth is on guys. It is really, really difficult. But uh, I'm pretty sure you do remember the birth of your children, and ladies, I know you do. Uh, I couldn't be with Pat, the first two of our children that were born. They didn't do that kind of stuff yet. Uh, The third one came along, and was it Lamaze? La Boye, La Boye. So, it was, that's French for Lamaze, I think. So, uh, anyway, it was kind of a program like that, and it it was a birthing, you had to go through classes. So, you could either go to somewhere where you'd all be in this room together and have classes, or you could hire somebody privately to do the teaching, and I said, "I'm not going to take a pillow to some class, sit in the floor and pinch each other and say, "That's not pain. Uh, I'm not doing that." So we hired somebody. So she came to our house, we had the first lesson. Then I thought, I had this brilliant idea. I said, uh, "You know what? I could just pay you for all six lessons, and you could just sign off. You would thought I'd asked her to rob a bank. You, I mean, she would... Well, I never in my life, I, well, you should, uh, but, <laughs> but she was really, really uh, offended. So, but I went ahead and went all six classes and got to go into the labor and delivery room and it was incredibly emotionally uh, the most amazing thing in my entire life. I, I, I will never forget that. So, what were your reactions? If you had a difficult pregnancy, maybe it was just joy and relief that everything was okay and the baby was okay. Maybe it was excitement. Obviously, it was a new phase of life that you were entering. Maybe a little anxiety. I can't imagine giving birth without having a a little, in my case, it would be a lot of anxiety. Uh, I can't imagine. And and lots of emotion. Last week, I heard on the news that a mom-to-be was in a car with her parents in L.A., and they were driving to the emergency room because uh, she was expecting her baby, and she was ready to give birth. And halfway there... Uh, the mom, who was the mother of the of the lady who was expecting, uh, was sitting there and said, told her husband who was driving, the time is here, pull off the road. And they pulled off the freeway, and the mom, uh, the mother of the lady having the baby, uh, delivered the baby. The EMT people showed up not too long after that, and all was well. But can you imagine what was going through the hearts and the minds of the young mom and dad-to-be and the parents, mom and dad, who had been through that kind of thing themselves. Um, can, can you imagine for a moment how Mary and Joseph felt? We try to, try to think about, you know, we, we see these beautiful cards, and I love them, and the beautiful pictures of the nativity, and I love them. But here we have this poor, probably teenage mom, no doubt teenage mom, uh, about to give birth, and they 're not at home and mom 's not there for her, and her dad 's not there for her, and her fiance her now her husband, but even though they 've not known each other physically in the intimate way uh, was there, uh, but they were not even in a f- suitable place they were not in a, a hospital room, certainly they weren 't in a house that was sanitized and prepared and ready for the delivery of a new baby they were none of those things they were in a stable. They they didn't have baby furniture. They they had a, a feed trough that Joseph tried to make as clean as possible, maybe washing it down, maybe putting some fresh hay on top or straw, I don't know. But think about what was going through their minds and their hearts. Try to put yourself in their position. And I suppose it's been that way for most births. There was always a certain amount of anxiety and excitement and joy and maybe sheer terror. I don't know. Uh, but look, let's look at some of the reactions to Jesus' birth today. And your outline, if you have that, the first one is adoration in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him." We talked about and taught about the wise men last week, gave a little bit more detail about who they were. They came from the east. These were Persians, probably from uh, now the land of Iran and Iraq, and they came a distance in order to see. They traveled following the star actually for two full years until they found where he was going to be, and they were come now to worship him. In verse 10, when they saw the star, the magi, that is, uh, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And I, I looked up the words, Uh, exceeding great joy in the Greek instead of just in English. And it was an unusual uh, phrase to me. It's vehement, vehement, mega gladness. Vehement, mega gladness. So it was like a a vehement, you know, it's just like you think of usually as angry, but it was an incredibly uh, mega a happiness that was exceeding uh, more than anything probably they'd ever experienced before. That's the, their reaction. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Remember, we talked about uh, at the nativity versus at the house, maybe uh, a, a couple of years later. Remember that. So they came into the house uh, with his young, with his Mary's mother, and fell down, worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts including gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the Magi, mentioned last week, were wise men, astrologers who traveled, and they were looking for the child king. They were looking for the king uh, of all kings. How did they know about the king of all kings? you ever thought about that? How did they know? Let's suppose they're in Iraq or Iran, present-day Iraq or Iran. They're in Persia, and, and they look up in the, star, uh, in the skies one night, and they see this incredible... Uh, star, bright heavenly body. Never seen it before. They knew uh, astrological charts and all of that, and they are or astronomy, probably both. And and they they knew this was something out of the ordinary. But how did it translate to? There's this incredible, unusual, once in a lifetime bright light emanating from heaven. And we better get together and go on a caravan for the next two years and find this newborn king. That's not. That can't be their first thought unless there's something else that enters into the picture. And so someone perhaps told them that a king was going to be born in Bethlehem. Someone perhaps told them there would be a star that would lead them uh, to this place. And so, so they, someone shared with them this information, which makes me wonder how often do we share information about the light of heaven with the people we know. How often do we share that Jesus is the only way? He is not a way. He is not one of the ways. He is the only, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. Do we share the gospel with other people? Well, maybe it wasn't another person who shared. Maybe an angel appeared because we know an angel appeared to Mary Later on, that same angel appeared to Joseph to uh, calm his fears and, and reticence about taking Mary to be his wife under the circumstances. Um, maybe it was an angel. We don't know that. More likely, they read about it in the Hebrew Scriptures because it was recorded several places uh, in, in, prophetic, in the prophecies that, that this Savior would come, this, this Messiah would come. So they were led by this star, <clears throat> this light from heaven, special star, guiding them to the place of the Savior. And we taught about how the heavenly body was uh, was used by God to guide the Magi to Bethlehem and to Jesus. Uh, what drew you, or what drew you to Him? What or who drew you to Him? I can remember very well. I talked to you. I won't repeat it again about my Baptist catechism. I say that all the time. But uh, that that training time that I received that summer from the pastor of the First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois, that made me. Uh, want to receive Christ as my Savior. Hel- help me to know who he was <clears throat> and want him to be my Savior. That actually was the beginning. But then, as I told you last week or whenever it was, uh, then we moved to another community. And we got to this other community. There wasn't a good gospel preaching church until finally we moved to a third community, and there was a little Baptist mission that started there. My pastor's name was Arnold Leverett. He was from Huntsville, Alabama. He was about six feet four, and weighed about a hundred—no, about a hundred pounds per per foot. He—he uh, he, <laughs> he was huge. Uh, he was a big guy. Man, he would belt the gospel out. He would preach it, and and he would tell. And by now, uh, I was a teenager, sophomore in high school, and I was kind of challenging authority a little bit, and. Or a whole lot. And he would just, he kept coming back with the truth. He kept coming back with the gospel, kept coming back line upon line, precept upon precept. And, and, and he paved the way for me to where the Holy Spirit then could call me to ministry. What, what is your spiritual pedigree? Uh, Pat talks about her spiritual heritage and can't wait till she sees a flow chart in heaven. Uh, she traces it back to uh, all these relatives who who got saved is because so and so got saved and they got saved because so and so got saved and on and on it goes. Listen, it's kind of like this. Edmund Edward Kimball. You ever heard the name Edward Kimball? Some of you have. He led D. L. Moody to Christ. You ever heard the name D. L. Moody? Yeah, I think Kimball was a shoe salesman. Is that right? Does, huh? Okay. Kimball was a science school teacher. D.L. Moody was the shoe salesman, but but Kimball led D.L. Moody to Christ. D.L. Moody, uh, of course, the Moody Bible Institute and uh, went on revivals across the sea and, and in the States here. D.L. Moody led Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. And Wilbur Chapman may or may not be anybody you've ever heard of, but he won Billy Sunday to the Lord. Billy Sunday was a ex-baseball player, professional baseball player who, uh, who preached at crusades and led thousands to Christ. Billy Sunday was preaching when Mordecai Ham got saved. You may or may not know who Mordecai Ham is. I, I think he was Jew, right? Jewish? I believe he was. I always thought it was kind of ironic his name was Ham. Uh, but <laughs> anyhow, I think he was. And he, he had served, he had all kinds of crusades and go all over preaching. And then guess what? Guess who was sitting in one of his crusades and got saved as a teenager? Billy Graham. You heard that name? If you've not been in a, nailed in a box for the last 50 years, you, you've heard that name. Uh, and and who, the millions, he, over a million at one time in Korea, Seoul, Korea, uh, back several decades ago, but uh, and then through his TV ministers, no telling how many multiplied? Hundreds of millions of people have heard the gospel and responded. Because, and that's, that, that's just part of that one family tree, just part. So, so you, you need to share the gospel. You need to let people know there's hope for them. There's a salvation available for them. You need to get scriptures into people's hands. You need to uh, be, be attentive to, uh, to those who want to influence you for God and for good who are around you. They presented him, that is, the Magi presented Christ with gifts worthy of God and a king. They were gifts of homage and, in fact, gifts of great value, expensive and symbolic. The gold, of course, was made into crowns. The gold was made into jewelry, rings, necklaces, bracelets, nose rings, uh, toe rings, Probably other kinds of rings I don't want to know about, uh but obviously it was of great value and and they gave it to him as a fitting a gift fitting a king. Frankincense a fragrant perfume used for anointing the priests, Aaronic priesthood and on down from there myrrh also perfume used in anointing priests, but specifically offered again to Christ at the crucifixion uh, and and used in anointing dead bodies, so in preparation for the grave they would they would use. Uh, myrrh. So we owe him our adoration, including the bringing of gifts, the bringing of ourselves to God. You know, the best thing to give to God is yourself. Give Him your life. Give Him your future. You can't. I, I read something about you can't undo the past, but you can you can change the future right now by by giving yourself totally and wholly to God. By giving our abilities to Him, our time to Him, our tithes, our offerings, our all, giving it to Him. So the Magi were known for their adoration. Secondly, and we talked about this a little bit uh, last week, was the indignation of one king, Herod the Great, who was a Tetrarch. In Matthew 2, 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, agitated, actually, and all Israel with him. In verse 13, when they were departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou... There until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And a heinous thing happened in verse 16 of this chapter. Then Herod, when he saw he was mocked by the wise men, how'd they mock him? They didn't take him back news to where Jesus could be found because God warned them, don't do that because Herod intends to do harm to the baby Jesus. So they went home a different way. And when he saw, when Herod saw that he was mocked by them by that action, he was exceedingly wroth and sent forth. Listen to this: he slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under. I thought of Hamas when I read this again, this year, this time. I thought of Hamas killing little babies. I, I I'm sorry, decapitating little babies, burning little babies' bodies. How vicious, how, how demonic. And here's Herod over 2000, 2,000, maybe 20 some years ago, who issued an order based on the fact that the wise men had been following the star for two years. He said, okay, every boy baby in the region is to be put to death. Can you imagine being a mom of a little boy baby and having that baby ripped out of your hands and and killed? according to the time when he diligently inquired of the wise men. Then then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah talked about it. He said, in Ramah, which is the regions of the north of Jerusalem, so it would include Bethlehem and the regions up in that area, there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. And Rachel there was a symbol of the mother of Israel weeping over the atrocity that would take place with the murder of these innocents. And Israel could not be comforted because of the loss of the child. Herod was renowned for killing anyone who posed any kind of a threat to him, including members of his own family. I mentioned that last week. Let me give you some specifics. Herod had 10 wives. He'd married 10 women and fathered 15 children by them. And according to Josephus, Herod was so protective of his favorite wife. Listen to this. He was so protective of his favorite wife, Mariami I, that he instructed his soldiers to kill her if anything was to happen to him while he traveled abroad. That doesn't seem like he really loved her all that much. Hey, guys, if I get killed in battle, would you dispatch my wife? After Herod had both of Mariami's parents killed uh, and and others in the family, he he took them to trial, and executed them. After her death, Herod was distraught, became ill, and he ordered later the execution of two of his sons over suspicion that they were jockeying for power and positions to be ruler of the kingdom. Some say he left orders that at his death his whole family would be killed, thereby ensuring national mourning, and his order, thankfully, was not carried out. That's a messed up dude right there. And he ordered the slaughter of the baby boys up to two years of age, kind of like Pharaoh did with the baby boys back in Egypt, only there wasn't an age limit, just kill them all. Fear will turn to indignation and anger when we seek to be our own absolute authority. Yielding control of our lives to no one, not even God. There are those who who are... It seems hell-bent on self-destruction, and, and, and they're indignant about everything, and they're angry about everything, and, and violent all the time, and that's because they have rejected the one authority in their life who could give them peace and joy and fulfillment. Many today see the birth of Christ as a threat or a rival to the rule of their lives rather than the arrival of a Savior and a deliverer. And I don't know how this is going to sit with you, but I May mean, you heard about in the state house, I can't remember what state now, where they set up an altar to Satan in Iowa. Yeah, and the heartland, folks. Set up an altar in the Capitol building to Satan and had, it was, it was, it was an altar. It had candles lit and all or across from the nativity. And I'm going to tell you something, that has no place in America. The DEI, forget it. It has no place. The nations that do not worship the true God, the true the living God, are turned into hell, the Bible says. And we were not founded on principles that exalted and and demanded adoration and worship of Satan. He is the archenemy of Christ. He is the one who's responsible for the Antichrist. He's part of the unholy trinity. And thank God for that veteran that tore that altar down. They ought to give him a medal, another one. Fear will always causes problems and people are afraid. It, 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 look, if I didn't believe in Jesus, I'm not going to be setting up altars to Satan. I don't believe in leprechauns. I don't go around preaching against leprechauns. We live in a day when people make it illegal to display crosses or nativity scenes or hang a set of 10 commandments on the on the wall in the public arena, but they've legalized Drugs and deviant behavior and so much more. We're upside down. We live in a nation of indignant people for one reason or ten. So there was adoration, there's indignation. What else was there? Well, there was preoccupation. That probably describes today today's people better than anything else. In Matthew 2:5, they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, that's where that's where. He's supposed to be born. They were answering the question asked by the Magi. For thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor and shall rule my people Israel. How ironic that when the star or the heavenly body or the light from heaven ceased for just a little while and the wise men went to Jerusalem to figure it out and they talked with the scribes and the Pharisees along with King Herod, how ironic the people who studied the Scripture, the religious crowd of Jesus' day knew where it was supposed to happen but were too busy doing their priestly duties to go seek the king. Five miles away from them. One of the greatest things, the greatest thing that ever happened to that point, the birth of the Savior. And look around us. I don't mean in church. Hopefully, it's different. The crowd here is different than the crowd out there. But the casual attitude of many toward Christ is so damaging, much more damaging than the zealous hatred of Herod people's indifference to the things of God, indifference to the Son of God, indifference to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, indifference to serving God. I rode with an officer recently who turned away from the church because of some Christians. Now, I know that's not an adequate excuse, and I know that officer has to stand before God in, in response to that kind of an attitude. But this officer said he he she didn't like organized religion. I told him, come to FBC. We're not that organized. <laughs> he laughed. but then I, He or she laughed. Not telling you who it was. And this is unfortunately the most common reaction of, of mankind to the Messiah today, not adoration, not necessarily even indignation. They don't even give enough thought to be indignant about it, but rather just preoccupation with other things, being caught up with stuff. Life is so demanding. At this season, people are too occupied with office parties, shopping, gifts, celebrate Black Friday, I still don't understand that. Yeah, thank you. For most, he's no longer the reason for the season. For, for too many, he never was the reason for the season. So there's adoration, indignation, and preoccupation. One more, exaltation. But I've got to move to the Gospel of Luke for this one, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. They were in the same country, in the same region, in other words, shepherds. Oh, incidentally, the, the name for shepherds there, poimen, It's the same name for pastors. Pastors are to be shepherds, under shepherds. There is the great shepherd, the one true shepherd, under shepherds, poymen, these poymen abiding in the field, keeping watch or guarding over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings or great news, actually the gospel of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David... A Savior who is the Christ, the Christos, the Anointed One, the Lord, the Messiah. And this shall be a sign, a Simeon, a a miraculous indication, uh, a miracle with a purpose unto you, that you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped up. The best gift wrapping ever in the history of gift wrapping was the swaddling clothes wrapping up our Savior. he'll be lying in a manger, a feed trough, not a feather bed, not a memory mattress, not some palace and some king's bedroom, but rather he'll be put in a feed trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, other angels praising God and saying, glory, doxa is what the, the Greek word is, doxa, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from, heaven, uh, unto, from them into the heavens, the shepherds said one to another, let us go now even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they made haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, And when they seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They took the good news and told other people. They didn't just keep it to themselves. They told other people. You and I have responsibility to tell other people this good news. And and all they that heard it wondered at those things which told them by the shepherds, but Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying the word doxa again, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now, I suppose I thought about this a little bit. I, I think if I were God, yeah, this is a scary thought. If I were God, I would have announced the birth of my son so that the kings and the queens of the world would have known it. Perhaps I'd have called a session somehow or another with the General Assembly of the National United Nations building, whatever. I would choose the biggest stage in the most public forum. I'd have all of the television networks there. Maybe not CNN. (laughs) Thankfully for everybody, I'm not God and god as often happens does the exact opposite of what i would have done and he uses some shepherds who were despised by many actually they were tending sheep they were outside they probably didn't smell so good they probably were unkempt they didn't they didn't have to tidy up to watch the sheep they weren't clean shaven and their hair coiffed is that how you say it? Styled, whatever. Despised by many people and not regarded by most. They made their way to Bethlehem, saw the newborn king, and they believed, but that's not all. They heralded the good news far and wide, they glorified and praised God. And you know what? There are at least two times of the year in our nation. Where at least we can sound the good news and not be completely written off. And that's Christmas and Easter. And it's good to make the best of those, to glorify our God, to let to herald the news far and wide that Jesus was born of a virgin and laid in a manger and grew in stature and wisdom. Had a public ministry was crucified, laid in a borrowed grave, rose again after three days, was seen by many, ascended into heaven, and bless God, he's coming back again. I have never prayed more for the return of Christ than I have the last several months. I just, with all the evil that's going on in the world, with all the stuff that's in our country and in Ukraine and in Israel and all of that, I just really pray that Jesus Christ will come back soon. What is the word that best describes your attitude toward the Lord? Is it adoration? I hope. Indignation? I hope not. Preoccupation? Surely not. Exaltation? For sure. Regardless of what you think about him, Maybe you're all for the satanic altar stuff, whatever. Regardless of what you think about him, he loves you and sent his son to die on a cross. And he encourages you to make room for him in your heart. There was no room in the end, but there can be room in your heart. Adore him this season and always. Would you bow your heads, please, with me? Thank you for being here today. If it's your desire to receive Christ as your personal sin, no better present anywhere ever given than the present of eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you would like to receive him as your Lord and master right now, you can. And you can pray to him in your own heart, and your mind. He knows what your thoughts are. He knows what your heart is. Say something like this to him. You don't have to say it out loud. I don't care if you do. It's okay with me, but you can say it in the quiet of your own heart and your own mind, you can say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've come short of what you would have me to be. I know that. I know I'll stand before you one day. I want to be able to say my sins are forgiven. I believe that Jesus is your son, Father. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and Rose again from the dead. And right now I ask him, Oh God, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and my master. I trust you right now. They were head bowed for just another moment more. If you just prayed that prayer in your own heart. And you were sincere. You don't know what it all entails yet, but you were sincere. Would you lift your hand up and hold it up high for just a moment? I won't embarrass you. I I promise you. Just hold it up for a moment, indicating that you just now trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Because if you have, it's the greatest gift ever. Anyone at all, hold it up high. God bless you. God bless you. Now, God, for these who have prayed that simple prayer, it seems like it's too easy. And it is pretty easy, but you did the hard part. You sent your son, you gave him up for us, sinners who would ridicule and deny and use his name in vain, and yet you still sent him to die for us. And then you told us to celebrate his death. Not the the birth, you tell us to celebrate his death. That's what the communion all about, remembering the broken body and the shed blood. And you did all of that to pay the price for our eternal salvation. So, Lord, we thank you for that today. God, I pray for us to be heralds of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our family get-togethers, may we read the scripture, may we share the word of God. May we share our testimony. May we make sure everybody, especially in our families, knows who Christ is and has an opportunity to receive him. Father, may we keep him first and most important in our lives every single day. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? This invitation is simply an opportunity for whoever would like to come and say, I, I want you to pray for me, preacher. I've got some burden I'm carrying or something that I need God to work on. Or maybe you need to come and just say, hey, preacher, I prayed that prayer. and I, I just want you to know that. I'm, I'm letting you know so that you can pray for me. Or maybe you want to join the church and be baptized. We can make arrangements for that to happen. But whatever you need, we're going to sing one verse of invitation. And if we need to, we might sing another verse. Uh, But come ahead if God's so leading you, and we'll meet you right down here. My wife is down here for the ladies. I'm down here for the men. 5 p.m. Our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It would be, it will be full. I'm certain of that. So come early, get some parking, and uh, then Christmas Day. Someone said, Preacher, what are you doing Christmas Day? Right. Nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: Just celebrating the birth of my Savior at mm-hmm. home. So, uh, but to be sure to be here tonight, five o'clock. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being here. We thank you for these people who've made attending your church a priority. Not only on the day we celebrate your birth, but also uh, every every Sunday of the year. We thank you, Father, for their faithfulness. We pray that you'd walk with us, and thank you for loving us so much and for all the provision you give us. And Lord, may we bless you as you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the Christmas Eve. Lord's Day.